Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 710. Teaching a person like me, it seems like Tempe had done more than violate a custom. He had broken a trust with his teacher and his people. Will there be a trial of some sort? I asked. He shook his head. No trial. Shaheen will ask me questions. I will say I saw in quoth good iron waiting. He is of Lathani. He needs Lathani to guide him. Tempe nodded at me. Shaheen will ask you of the Lathani to see if I were right in my seeing. Shaheen will decide if you are iron worth striking. His hand circled, making the gesture of uneasy. And what will happen if I am not? I asked. For you, uncertain. For me, I will be cut away. Cut away? I asked, hoping I misunderstood. He held up a hand and wiggled his fingers. Adem, he made a tight fist and shook it. Ademra. Then he opened his hand and touched his little finger. Tempe, he touched the other fingers. Friend. Brother. Mother. I touched the thumb. Shaheen. Then he made a gesture as if paring off his little finger and throwing it away. Cut away, he said. Not killed then, but exiled. I started to breathe easier until I looked at Tempe's pale eyes. For just a moment, there was a crack in his perfect, placid mask, and behind it I saw the truth. Death would be a kinder punishment than being cut away. He was terrified, as frightened as anyone I had ever seen. We agreed our best hope was for me to put myself entirely in Tempe's hands during the trip to Hart. I had approximately 15 days to polish what I knew to a bright shine, the hope being that when I met Tempe's superiors, I could make a good impression. Before we began the first day, Tempe instructed me to put my shade away. Reluctantly, I did so. It folded down into a surprisingly small bundle that stowed easily into my travel sack. The pace Tempe was the pace Tempe set was grueling. First, the two of us moved through the dancer's stretch I had watched many times before. Then, instead of our usual brisk walk, we ran for an hour. Then we performed the katan, with Tempe correcting my endless mistakes. Then we walked a mile. Finally, we sat and discussed the Lathani. The fact that these discussions were an endemic did not make matters easier, but we agreed I should immerse myself in the language, so when I reached Hart, I could speak as a civilized person. What is the purpose of the Lathani? Tempe asked. To give us a path to follow, I replied. And that's the page. Jeremy, are you there? Who are you? I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And Nick is away, not Nadamra, because if he went there without us, I would cut him away. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Damn. 
<laughs> Would you not be upset if Nick went to a tavern without us? Maybe if he had a really good excuse. Yeah, I'd mostly be envious, I think. I want I want to go to the Sex Ninja Kingdom. Um <laughs> well, so what are you thinking on this page, George? Give me your thoughts. I I don't know, it's hard to say because I feel like this is this is a page of of like waiting for what is to come. This is stuff we kind of already knew, like we we kind of already knew that Tempe was in trouble. This is a detail page. It's a page giving us like the little pieces of of how big that trouble is. Well, I think and- that it's interesting how Tempe is explaining some of those things, I guess. What do you find interesting? Um, well, like the way that he explains cutaway with fingers. Mm. Like I that's not the way I would explain something like that, but I think it's interesting that he does. Hmm. And it seems that Shaheen, his teacher, he thinks of as important as his family and being exiled from his family and his teacher is like the worst thing he can imagine. I think that that tells us something not just about Tempe, but about Ademra and the culture of the Adem, that they are a communal people community is important to them and being exiled from that community is like their gravest punishment for their gravest sins it would be better if they killed him yeah that's so upsetting i wonder i wonder if there are like i wonder if in the story we meet someone who has been cut away like if that's a thing that will happen i suppose we might and maybe that tells us something about like it's not quite the same thing, but like we learn later on that the, and and we've learned a little bit from Tempe already, that the Adem are sent out into the world to kind of show everybody what, you know, to prove themselves to to their community and to demonstrate what Adem can do to everyone who's a barbarian. But it seems like most of the time that you don't hire one Adem as mercenaries, you hire a group of Adem. And I, I wonder what we are meant to make of it or what we might make of it that Tempe, because the mayor was a cheapskate, he hired just Tempe and Tempe was amenable to being hired out on his own. Um, you know, maybe he was already a bit of a social outcast. Maybe he feels bad about that. Maybe that's why part of why he was so happy to teach Quoth about Adam culture because he was already feeling, feeling a bit outcast from his culture yeah that is an interesting potential insight well thank you Uh, i also think that the first half of this page does something really well which is make the stakes crystal clear uh while also retaining some mystery right like you know quotes you know there's not going to be a trial there's just going to be you know an interrogation essentially of tempe and of quoth and uh, what's going to happen is like based on that one judgment, uh, you know, either Quoth will be found worthy or he won't. And if he's not, well, we don't know what's going to happen to Quoth. So there's still a mystery for us. Uh, there's a bit of uncertainty there, but we know for sure what will happen to Tempe. And it's really, really bad. So we understand just how high the stakes are for our two heroes in this next section of the book. It's a very um, efficient piece of exposition. Yes, agreed. 
Uh, and then, like, the next section of the book is uh, boot camp, essentially. Yeah. Uh, like, the whole, for the next two weeks, on their way to Herod, like, he's just putting Quoth through ADAM boot camp, which is a kind of, like, great fantasy montage image of, like, them, like, you know, jogging along the path and studying and doing their, their katan and talking through the Lathani. Like it's it, like you can see this being a good montage in like a movie version of this. Yes, I agree. Uh, I um I imagine like uh, the 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 part in Mulan where they sing the song that's like "Let's get down to business." That yeah, one. that song is a training montage, and it exactly uh, is very good. Yeah, but I mean, I I because I am of the generation and demographic that I am, I can't imagine a movie montage without hearing the song about montages that Trey Parker and Matt Stone wrote for both South Park and uh, for Team America World Police. Oh, I uh, I think there's a good reason I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's because you don't think things are funny. Um, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Well, just because I don't think the same things are funny that you think are funny does not mean that I don't think things are funny. Jordana, someone vomiting like a like a fire hose is always funny. <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about on this page? No. Do we have any mail? We sure do. We we have to finish Curtis's letter from yesterday. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so Curtis is still talking about physics and and light. Uh, point number three. But wait, there is more. It turns out that light is actually just another facet of electromagnetism. Actually, it is the gemstone of electromagnetism, and electricity and magnetism are just facets of it. What I mean to say is that light is the interaction carrier for electromagnetism. Every electromagnetic interaction is mediated by photons. Maxwell's equations are called Maxwell's equations because Maxwell put the final touches on them by unifying the rest of classical electromagnetism with classical optics, adding just one small corrective term to one of the four, as expressed vectorially by Heaviside, equations. Most of the work was already done by other people over the course of decades and in at least two distinct sub-disciplines of physics. This was done in 1865. It incorporates the mystical arts of magnetism, so we know that Quoth at least does not have Maxwell's equations available to him. Uh, because, of course, as we know in Temerant, uh, they don't understand how magnets work. Therefore, we can conclude that in terms of electromagnetics and optics knowledge, Temerant is somewhere between 1830 and 1865 in our timeline of progression. Fourth, but wait, there is more more. As aforementioned, and as Jeremy got correct, wave-particle duality is a thing. It turns out that Newton's corpuscular theory of light was only mostly dead, and there is a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. I am not an expert in outmoded scientific theories, but my understanding is that Newton got some stuff right. Light can act as a discrete particle, but does not always do so. He was wrong on that score. Has finite speed and has impetus, aka momentum. From Maxwell's equations, we can conclude that everyone must agree that speed, which combined with its finitism, is most of how we get special relativity. But, focusing back on the duality here, things behave as both particles and waves. We call these things quanta, or sometimes quantons. For example, the quantum of light and of electromagnetic interaction is the photon. I'm trying to avoid killing you by accident, and there are actually quite a few interpretations of what is going on here. I would not personally say that the matter is adequately resolved. But one common interpretation goes like this. A quantum, 
behaves in a purely probabilistic and random manner most of the time. The description of each physical aspect of its behavior is described by a probability wave, which evolves according to Schrodinger's equation for simple quantum mechanical situations. When it is observed or interacted with, the probability wave function collapses into a single, highly localized or strongly characterized state, which is the particle. At this point in time, the quantum's behavior is no longer random, but instead determined. However, before this collapse, the quantum is not a particle and makes no sense to think of it that way. Instead, it should be treated as the probability wave. All quantums behave this way. This is how we get, among other things, electron diffraction. In more advanced realms of quantum mechanics, field theories, we realize that we can treat all particles as actually being quantized excitations and fields, which behave in this wave-particle dualistic way, hence discussion of things such as the Higgs field, of which you may have heard. So, in other words, even you are a bit of a wave. Your wave just happens to be incredibly highly localized and tightly peaked, which is why you seem to be very particle-y. It is actually much easier to just work through the math than to try and philosophically explain or understand what is happening, but math does not translate very well to the audio format, so I will spare the audience at the risk of not sparing you. So, there you have it. There are actually a lot of interesting and closely related topics involved here. For example, the progression of thermodynamics is part of what founded quantum mechanics, but I will stop for now. Feel free to ask any questions that you may have, though. I hope that you are still alive to read this farewell. Your humble and amateurish physicist, Curtis. I... I'm astounded by Curtis's wealth of knowledge, but also it occurs to me that the brain I use to uh, attemptively be funny and analyze this book is not the same brain I use to learn things, (laughs) and I don't know if I'm in the right mindset. Well, uh, I'm sorry to say that we can't all be as fortunate to have two separate brains like Jordana. Or the so, you know what I mean, though? It's, it's a mindset thing. I do know what you mean. I will confess that I did start to glaze over a little bit while reading that out. But I think I understand the gist of it enough to know that there is still stuff that science can't completely explain. But that at when you get right down to the to the nitty gritty mechanics of it, light and other phenomena behave very weirdly. Uh, in ways that start to involve uh, like quantum physics. Now, what most like when you want to do something in science fiction and you don't want to have a really in-depth explanation for it, you can mostly get away with saying, "Ah, it's a quantum thing of me," uh, which they fully call out in a Rick and Morty episode. You know, if you if there's a science doohickey and you don't want to explain how it works, you just call it a quantum something, as Ant Man will be doing in the upcoming film Quantum Mania. But Curtis, I got to say thank you so much for this letter. Uh, I do feel like I understand a little bit more. And I think for the purposes of the podcast, what we understand is that Tamarant is in some ways, and this is like kind of what makes it an interesting fantasy universe. Like their science is in some ways, in some ways it's more advanced and in some ways it's less advanced than one might expect. Because of course, if their understanding of electromagnetics and optics is, you know, in the 19th century, of our world, their understanding of arms and armor and the kind of arms race has not progressed, you know, beyond like the 13th century, really, because they they don't they're not using gunpowder cannon. So it's interesting to see in what ways they have progressed and in what ways they haven't. And I think that the fact that it's not a one to one analogy for any particular time in Western European history is part of what makes it feel interesting and unique. I agree. Okay, so uh, in the letter, um, Curtis wrote that the the dead but not completely dead and how that's different thing. Yeah. 
And um, it made me think about my favorite movie, which is The Princess Bride, because in The Princess Bride, they're like, he's dead, but he's not completely dead. Oh, I feel absolutely certain that that was a deliberate reference put in there to delight you. Oh, okay. Wonderful. I'm so glad because I it does. It does delight me. <laughs> well, there you go. Curtis, you've delighted uh, two of us. And if Nick was here, he would also be delighted. And we will delight you, the listener, on tomorrow's page. Uh, the wind. wind.